0: everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am here to bring you our flagship program. Man, what a week it has been. And yeah, you're getting another dose of me. You probably didn't expect that, given that I've been on so much lately. But hey, I'm here. I'm ready to talk. We've got a lot to talk about Uh, when it comes to Bayern Munich, the German national team. It seems like every day something new and exciting is happening. But speaking of new and exciting things, I wanted to drop some news about Bavarian Podcast Works. No, nothing earth-shattering, but wanted to give the listeners a little bit of a background on where things are going, what we've been through, and uh, just give you an update in general. So as everyone who's listened to this knows, this started back, what, six years ago now? Uh, maybe a little bit later than that, but Jake and myself started this podcast network tom later joined in and we were happily a part of the vox family for many years unfortunately last year vox decided to cut many of its podcast programs including bavarian podcast works so for the last year we've been out on our own trying to experiment see to see if we could make this work to see if the schedule would be consistent enough to see if we would get enough buy-in from listeners and just to see if Basically, we could manage it, which I know it sounds weird, but it's actually a lot harder than you think, just given the time commitment, the different geographies that we have our podcasters working in, and the heavy schedule that we keep. So we took the year, we figured it out, and we decided, hey, we can do this. We can make this work on our own. So we formed our own company, (laughs) Bavarian Podcast Works, LLC. So we are now official. We are a business Uh, nothing will change in terms of what we deliver. We are working on some things to try and enhance the service offering. Um, as you know, though, with any business, there are some bills to pay. So of course there will be ads on the program, which is not very dissimilar to how we started this, but, uh, you know, over the past year or so, uh, we've had ads in and out here and there, but a lot of the things that have been on the program have been host read ads by me. So you'll probably get less of those. Uh, unless manscaped wants to come because if there is anybody that can sell equipment to trim your sack it's me i can be your huckleberry manscaped you just say the word anyway we are doing this thing we are going to have the same crew rolling through we are going to have the same schedule we will keep the same program so none of that will change some of the things that we are working on are not finalized yet but we are to working on some things to where we can be a little bit more interactive with the listeners and maybe host some programs. But of course, we are still rallying funds to update our equipment and programs. And hopefully, given everything that we're doing, this will keep going in the right direction and we'll be here for years to come. I know we're having a lot of fun doing it. It's always one of the highlights of my week to be able to sit here and talk about Bayern Munich. I mean, what what better thing is there to do? then either come on and talk about why you're excited about your favorite team or why you're pissed about your favorite team. It's not a lot in between with the way the emotions run on this show, but we, uh, we love doing it. I can say that for all the podcasters here, we're really excited to be out and doing this on our own. We'll still, of course, be doing our posts on Bavarian We have not severed that relationship. Hopefully they don't sever that with us. Uh, but, uh, you know, we wanted to let you know that hey, we took a year, we figured it out. You know, we are making some moves. We're changing hosting platforms to try and get, uh, give us a little bit more stability. Give us, uh, basically, a better place to operate. So, uh, thanks for hanging with us over the past year as we worked on this. It's been a great project for us, and we're going to continue to push forward. But we really couldn't have done it without all of you supporting us. So. Just wanted to say thanks for that. And that's enough of me being on the soapbox about BPW. All I can say is we are, uh, we are excited to be doing this, and we are looking forward to the future. But back to the important news, I did want to give some final thoughts about Bayern Munich's win over Arbe Leipzig. And if you listen to the post-game show, it was, a, it was a weird one for me because I didn't like everything that I saw. And I know I've been the, the anti a win is a win guy all season. All season, I have sat here and I have ranted and raved about why a win is a win is a bad thing and that Bayern Munich was setting itself up for failure by continuing to celebrate these victories that were clearly flawed. Now, on Saturday, I am going to admit, for one day only, I became a a win-is-a-win guy. And that's because Bayern desperately needed a win. They needed something to shift the momentum of what was going on. For all of the bad things that were happening around the team, the three losses, changing of the coach, and whether you like the coach or you don't like the coach, it's a bad thing to have to do it right now. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Tuchel. I honestly don't care that he won't be the coach next year. But because they had to make the move right now, it tells you how desperate they were. So for all of that going on, you have all of these transfer rumors. You have the locker room divided stories. You're bringing in Max Eberl into a very volatile situation in the front office. He's a big personality. He's got a lot of backing from Oli There's a lot combustible with this team and with this club right now. But for one day, it was okay to sit there and say, man, I am just glad they won that game. And I don't care how it looked. I don't care how they did it. Having a win sure as hell was nice. And that's really how I feel afterward. There are a million things I could pick apart with that game. And I wasn't happy with the the way that the team performed. I think it is so disjointed and so choppy in the attack. And they just don't look comfortable playing with each other. But damn, they needed that win. And it felt so good to see that the hard work they had put in did pay off. And as I said in that post-game show, it wasn't even about how they looked in this one for me. I became a win-as-a-win guy, right? It, it didn't matter how ugly it was. But what I did care about is the heart and the fight that they showed. Because it hasn't been there, and especially hasn't been there under Tuchel since he took over. There has been a lethargy. Uh, there has been a really apathetic tone to this team to where they almost don't believe in what they're doing. And that's the way it's come across, where they don't have that Mia San Mia, that team concept there, that they're a great group of individuals, but they were not in sync. And they still are not in sync. But for one day, it was nice to enjoy that shift in momentum, to get that win. And for Arbe Leipzig, a team that, again, like Bayern Munich, they're a team that's probably underperforming it was good to beat a team that was equally as desperate as Bayern Munich was because I firmly believe that Bay Leipzig now is teetering. I feel like Marco Rosa, while it might not be in the papers, I think his seat is getting a little bit hot because that team should not be scuffling the way it is in the Bundesliga. So this was a good weekend in terms of what Bayern Munich was able to do on the pitch. I was happy to get that three points, but where do they go from here? And how should fans feel about how to go from here? And this is where I think we get a lot of the division that we see on BFW, right? A lot of times people want to make it about, well, you're a mafia, you're Tuchelban or whatever they call it now. It doesn't as much have to do with that. It has to do right now with how do you feel about things moving forward for the rest of the season? Are you holding an optimistic feeling that some way, somehow Bayern Munich can claw back into this race for the Bundesliga or they can rally in the Champions League? Are you holding out that slight hope of optimism that something like that can happen or or are you stuck in reality? Are you a realist about this, that this is probably going to be the first time in a long time that Bayern Munich walks out of the season without a trophy? That the DFB Pokal and the DFL Super Cup were just two precursors to bigger failures in the Bundesliga and the Champions League. It's a very tough balance for someone like me. I naturally want to be optimistic about things. And I want to have that good feeling. But as soon as I start to see signs of damage, signs that things aren't as good as they should be, I do start to head down that road of reality or realism to borderline pessimism at times. Because when you see things and you feel strongly about what you see and you think the team is flawed and you don't think they're going to be able to rally at this point, it's very hard to conjure up that optimism. And I guess on our shows, I might be considered one of the most optimistic people. But you know, I want to look at this situation. I want to look at this Bayern Munich team. And I really do want to be optimistic. But it's very tough for me to get to that point because all of these things that we have seen them struggle with, from the coach and his decisions and the players that he picks for his starting 11s to how the team has performed under him and how ugly the style of play has been, it's very tough for me to still maintain any type of optimism that this team can do something. Now, I sat here just a couple of weeks back before the VFL Bochum loss, and I said, Bayer Leverkusen still could fold. They haven't been punched in the face yet, and they still haven't. I mean, we don't know what happens if they get punched in the face and that they they get knocked down. Will they be able to get back up? The problem with that right now is that by Leverkusen, if we were using boxing as an analogy, they are as defensive a boxer as you're going to find. They're not absorbing any hits. They just continue to mount attack after attack. And when they need to pull it back and they need to protect themselves, they do it. It's a freaking brilliant job that Zabi Alonso has done there this season to take that team and do what he's doing. He deserves every accolade that he's getting. He deserves all of the attention that he's getting from Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and Liverpool and whoever the hell else needs a manager because he deserves it. Because just a year and a half ago, no one could have foreseen that Bayer Leverkusen would be in this spot, undefeated to this point in the season. I mean, it is damn near March, and Leverkusen looks like a machine. Who would have thought that? So when I factor that in and I look at all that now, And I see that the Bundesliga, the top end of it, is very competitive. I I am a little worried about Bayern Munich and where this is all headed. And when I see stories like I did today about as many as 12 players having their futures discussed at Bayern Munich, with five almost certainly to be sold, I, I worry about the direction of this club and how it got to this point. So optimism, pessimism, realism, I don't know where I fall right now because I'm stuck trying to figure out what can this team do now and what will this team look like next season because I do think there's going to be significant change. I don't know that it'll be 12 players. I don't even know if they'll get up to selling 5 players. But some of the players that have been stalwarts here that have helped form this generation of the club, I feel like are very susceptible to be to be sold or let go, or returned on loan, or whatever. There is going to be a chunk of this team that is not back. And it makes me worry that this is another step that Bayern Munich is not necessarily taking with a plan. So we saw what happened last year with Nagelsmann and Julian Nagelsmann getting fired, Razo and Kahn, uh, you know, eventually getting the axe over that decision to fire Nagelsmann and bring on Tuchel. It didn't work. But through all of that, you lost the leadership at the club. You did replace it, and you did bring back Carl Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Hoeneß to kind of shepherd things in and keep the club going as they figured out what to do next in the front office. But the problem is there's been no long-term strategic direction. And that... <laughs> Is what really worries me. Whatever happens this season, we can't control. Bayern Munich can't even control it at this point. But what's next? If you're going to take the L this season and you're going to go trophyless, you, you you better damn have a plan to make it work next year. And that, I guess, is where Max Eberl will come in, and we'll talk about what Max Eberl is going to be expected expected to do in the next segment, because I think that Max is absolutely going to have a lot of pressure on him. And especially as we come out of this season and we see fans are battling within themselves whether to be optimistic about the future or whether to be realistic that Bayern Munich could be a club that's slipping, it's not going to be easy because everything that Max Eberl does is going to be scrutinized. And any decision he makes to players on the current roster are going to really get that 50-50 split where 50% of the people are going to be happy with the move that was made and 50 are going to be irate. And it's a very tough spot to be in. He didn't ask for this exact situation, but he's getting it. And he's a big boy. He'll pull up his pants. He will put the belt on, put his shoes on, and he'll get to work like everyone does every day when they wake up but he's not going to have it easy. And we'll talk about what he might be facing and what could be happening with the club this summer after this break. Hang with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Varian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith. Happy to be talking to you here on our flagship program. Uh, Where we left off before that break was talking about Max Eberle and what could be happening with him as he seeks to really push Bayern Munich into its next generation. You're starting to see the rumors of a generational turnover, and it makes sense in a lot of ways because Bayern Munich is a team right now that has a good group of veterans, a strong group of veterans, but it might not be meshing anymore, might not be working. The veterans might not have developed as much as some fans or even some of the club executives would like. So Max Eberl is going to have to come in and immediately start to sort that out on the roster. But it's not just the roster that Max Eberl will be working on. (laughs) It's funny to think that with all of his experience, there are still going to be some issues with having to work with people in the front office and figure out who fits into his plan there, let alone with the roster. Uh, kickers' George Halsner came out with a report stating that Marco Nepp and Marcus Pilawa are two people within the front office. Pilawa is, of course, the chief scout. Nepp is the technical director. They are two people that were hired, on, hired under the last regime, and they could be two that are booted from the current one. Now, I don't mean that Ebrel is just going to come in and fire them and it's going to be just lopping heads off and whatnot in the office there. But it does look like he has his own ideas about how the front office should be shaped and what it should look like and who should be manning those key positions. And it's very unclear whether Nep and Pilal are, are two people that fit into that mold. Now, interestingly, there was another story that broke And this one doesn't bode so well for current sporting director Christoph Freund, who uh, has done a decent job at times, feel like he has done some good things, but also has, I don't know, I thought overreacted to some programs. And once again, it was kickers George Holzner who said that Eberl has different ideas than Christoph Freund does, especially in regards to squad planning. For example, Sasha Boué is a player that Ebrel would not have done. It would not have done the transfer for. Uh, I guess we can ascertain from that that Ebrel would have considered that a panic move that he, they that Bayern Munich spent too much and that Freund okayed a move that probably didn't need to be made. And I absolutely see that point, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought it was a panic move. I mean, Bayern Munich, has, how many options do they have at right back? You know, and now Joshua Kimmich is back playing right back, so there were options. I don't know that Sasha Bouet was was a player that Bayern Munich really was going to value long term and to pay as much as they did for him. I just I didn't get it at the time. I mean, I understood why Freund would want to do that, but I didn't get what they thought the end result of this would be and what would happen when they had more options back. So what happens to boy? Does he hang in or is he just going to be a high-priced sub? I, I, I don't know. But I get that. So that was one thing where Eberl and Freund might not be aligned. But if you think that's the end for Christoph Freund, it's probably not because if you remember way back when he got hired, one of the reasons that Byron brought him on is to improve the academy and work with the player development system so that they could start scouting players young. Developing them into stars, players that could make the first team, which we don't see often anymore at Bayern Munich, and increase the club's transfer options and value that way. Now, that is a possibility for Christoph Freund that instead of being a traditional sporting director who might be driving the transfer process, Max Eberl from his board position might be doing that, with Christoph Freund being more of a support person who is more focused on the development of young players. And that actually could be a very good thing because one thing that it has been a killer for Bayern Munich over the years has been its inability to develop its own players. Because imagine a player with the financial, I'm sorry, a club with the financial resources of a Bayern Munich, with all of the great facilities, all of the great coaching. Okay, I know you guys don't agree with the great coaching, but they do have good coaches throughout that campus working with the kids. Imagine you're able to identify the right talent develop the right talent and have it come through to either be a player for your first team or be a valuable target that you can sell off to generate revenue. That's what Bayern Munich needs to really focus on. So Ebro coming in could potentially result in that kind of setup with Christoph Freund, getting back to what many people think he does best while also being a support person there for Ebro. And it could be really a good thing that happens. But back to the point about Max Ebro and the pressure that will be on him and all of the change that will be surrounding him, he's going to have to deal with all those front office changes first and foremost. And then he'll start to work through the player roster. And as I stated in the earlier segment, we're talking about a situation where up to five players are expected to be sold. Twelve should have their futures discussed this summer. So when we talk about that, it's will they stay or will they go? Could they be sold during the summer? Will they re-up? If they don't want to re-up, will they get sold during the summer? A lot of possibilities there. And when you try and cherry pick the names, a lot of them are easy to come to come to. Uh there are a couple that are questionable at this point. But ebro's going to have to do a lot of homework. And I I would bet since this has been what I would call the longest courtship in front office executive history. Uh, Ebro has probably known he's joining Bayern Munich for a long time. Why it's taken this long to go official, I don't know. I know there was some talk that it was based around the board meeting and them being able to vote on bringing in another board member. And I guess those are all the specific things about business that you have to do and you have to follow your protocols and your guidelines. Either way, it's been a little bit frustrating to watch from the outside because we've heard the rumors. Everybody pretty much knows this is happening. But it's just been delayed. And when you're watching the team scuffle and you're watching Tuchel not get any results and you're watching the team fall apart from under him, it, it, it was frustrating to, to think about why isn't the, the club pushing to get this done faster so they can take that next step forward, move on from Tuchel, start to rethink their roster, and get all of that in motion now. By the time E. Burl is hired, which is expected to be this week, it's borderline March, you're not that far away from the summer transfer window, and you've got a lot of work to do. You've got key contract discussions with Yashua Kimmich, Alfonso Davies, Leroy Zane. I mean, these are monumental players for your club. You've got swirling rumors around Leon Goretzka and Serge Gnabry, among others. Eric Dyer has been rumored to be going back to Tottenham because. Iron thinks he's too slow or something. Uh, although you could say that Dyer had another good performance this weekend. I don't know. We could go on and on about Dyer. Some people hate him. Some people like him. I actually think it was a good move for what he is, which is your fourth center back, but I'm not going to, going to digress there. Okay, There are a lot of things we could talk about. You have Alexander Nübel coming back to the club after a loan assignment. You have Daniel Peretz who needs to play, but probably won't be able to behind Manuel Neuer and Sven Ulreich. There are a lot of players out there whose status is in limbo, and we're not even touching subjects like Daya Upamakano, who this week we found out might be on the chopping block at Bayern Munich because they can't trust him, or Jamal Musiala, who might not want to be at Bayern Munich. I mean, these are, you know this is speculation about the rumors that have been out there, but we don't know what his long-term thoughts are for what he wants to do. So the bottom line is just about everybody on the Bayern Munich roster is in somewhat of a tenuous position. Even Harry Kane has been linked to Manchester United and Chelsea, but I don't anticipate anything like that happening, but just as a case, I mean we're looking at all of this and there's a lot of rumors, there's a lot of uncertainty and there certainly is going to be a lot of thought about turnover. We don't know how much that, you know, rumored roster overhaul will will take of that will take place, but I mean There is a lot for Ebro to come in and absorb and figure out what to do next. And not only does he have to work with the front office, figure out that situation, work with the current roster and figure out what he wants to do there. He then has to identify transfer targets and help look at the youth system as well. So there is a lot that this guy has on his plate and there's nothing in his background that says that he can't do it. But I think what I, that, what fans need to recognize is this is a lot for any one person. And this is a guy who suffered from a little bit of burnout earlier in his career, if I remember correctly. So I I understand his brilliance as a personnel man and I, his experience is really second to none. He's going to be able to have an idea how to create a plan to attack all of this, but let's not place All of our hopes on Max Eberl because this is a lot for him to take in. It's a lot for him to process. And he's going to probably have some learning moments on this job because there's just so much going on. And I guess what he does have going for him is he is very tight with Uli Honus, who, let's be honest, he's still the master of puppets at Bayern Munich. And yes, is he overstaying his welcome? You could argue that. And there are a lot of reasons to think that maybe he's meddling a little bit too much. But Uli Honas has done so many great things for Bayern Munich over the years. And he has been one of the great leaders in the club's history. It's tough to knock him too much. But I would say lately Uli's not exactly batting 300 anymore. So he's going to have to figure out very quickly what he wants to do moving forward because Max Eberl is going to have a tough enough job examining everything on his own, let alone with Uli Honus trying to tell him what to do. So Max Eberl, I think most Bayern Munich fans have their hopes set on you, but I think what most Bayern Munich fans have to understand is that you've got a hell of a big job in front of you and you're going to need time and you just don't have a lot of it. So Uh, We talked earlier about optimism, realism, and pessimism. Getting all of this solved in one summer. That's a very, very optimistic uh, approach or idea that some fans might have. The last thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is such a hot-button issue around Bayern Munich these days, is Leroy Zane. And and it's a hot-button because Zane he might be the most talented player on the Bayern Munich roster. He might be. I mean, I don't know that I would label him that, but I could see how people would say that. I mean, you're talking about a player who was the best player on the roster for the majority of the Hinrunda. You're talking about a player who Bayern Munich pursued for 18 months. You're talking about a player who has, and I don't care what anyone says, has become a great two-way player at Bayern Munich. He, I don't think he was this well-rounded at Man City, but his commitment to the defensive end, which I will totally credit Hansi Flick for, because Hansi Flick was the coach that had to go through the growing pains with Zane to get him to respect playing defense, to respect tracking back, and to realize how important he is to the team if he plays a two-way style. Hansi Flick did all that, and Zane totally benefited from it, and I know that the two... We're not always seeing eye-to-eye, but Hansi Flick made Zane a better player. So you've got this player who is, at his best, one of the best, if not the best wing in the world. The problem with Zane, and we've seen this for three seasons now, he has these spills, he has these ruts, and he just falls into them, and he looks hopeless. And he doesn't look like he knows how to get out of it. He looks like his confidence is shot. And it's so damn tough to watch because you know how good the guy can be. It's just painful to watch him struggle the way he is. Now, this season, I will say, the reason he has dropped off could be a million different things. But if you ask me, I would say that he's physically beaten down from the high mileage that Tuchel has put on his legs. We know now that Herbert Heiner, I believe it was, said that Zane seems to be favoring his groin a little bit. Don't we all? Um, But seriously, that he's having a little bit of a groin injury at this point. And if so, like when did this occur and why has he been keeping this heavy workload like he has? I mean, you have this great asset. You have this great player. But if he's not operating in 100% and 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 I believe that Zane, like Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry, they're players who need to be at 100% to be totally effective. And the, f- the second that they drop under 100%, they lose their effectiveness. Maybe not wholly, but they get less and less effective as that percentage goes down. So where Zane is now, we don't know, but we do know he's a little bit banged up. We know he's scuffled a lot in the second half of the season here. And a lot of fans are frustrated with him. And I can't blame them because you see the greatness that he had in the Hinrunde. And then you see the low points that he's had here. And even looking at the Leipzig match, he did some great things. And I, you know, we talked about the great runs that he made. And I, I can't remember who it was in the comments that brought up Zane tracking back and making big defensive stuff. And we absolutely should highlight that because it proves that, You know, all of the work that he has done since he got to Bayern Munich, like he has indeed 100% made himself a more well-rounded player like that. I think when he arrived at Bayern, we've never seen him track back like that. But he's learned and he's gotten better. But what does Bayern Munich do? Is he really going to be worth the salary that they're going to have to pay him? I mean, by all accounts, he wants to be at Bayern Munich. His family is happy living where it does. And he wants to stay. But Bayern Munich now is in a little bit of a crunch, right? They uh, have a a very high-priced roster. They need to start shedding some salary because they have to make some changes. And Zane could be one of those figures that gets a very close look because for as good as he can be, it's not coincidence that this starts to happen every season where we see him go through these extended ruts. And it's very unfortunate because... I do think it's it's a two-pronged problem that he has. I do think he gets beat up physically. And I think mentally, when he starts to scuffle a little bit, maybe he's not feeling 100%. He struggles with his confidence. He gets very indecisive. Even on Saturday against Leipzig, we saw his touch betray him. I mean, he typically has a great touch, but he has not been able to really manage much of anything inside the box these days. I mean, you could argue that he's had good opportunities in just about every game. He just can't seem to get it right at this point. And I think mentally he needs to be refreshed. Physically he needs to be refreshed. From Bayern Munich, I am closely looking at this situation, and I'm saying, do we want to keep Leroy Zane and keep trying to build him up and get him to the point where we don't see these lulls? Or is this just what he is as a player? And that might be the case, that just, this is just who Leroy Zane is. He is a, a guy who can look dynamic and incredible for good stretches and then can look like he's lost for others. And I think when Max Eberl comes in, maybe more so than players like Serge Gnabry and Leon Goretzka or Joshua Kimmich or even Alphonso Davies, he's going to look very closely at Zane because Zane is going to command a high salary, He's also the kind of player who could command a huge transfer fee because, like many fans, other clubs are going to see his potentials and see all the best of what he does without really examining what happens the other parts of those seasons when he falls apart. And it's going to be a big, big decision for Ebro. In fact, I think it's the biggest one he has to make this summer because. Eberl, for whatever he does, he has to get certain things right. Christoph Freund, even though he wasn't technically a part of it yet, did play some role in helping seal the deal with Bayern Munich and Harry Kane. I know Christoph Freund was waiting until, I guess it was September 1st, but he was kind of playing both sides of the fence there, coming over from Salzburg. You had Uli Honus and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, and them working that deal, whatever you want to consider the, the the primary players in that. Thomas Tuchel had a very big hand in that as well. Whoever you consider most, I guess I guess most successful in helping get that done doesn't really matter. But Ibril going to have to try and follow that performance. Which again, it was a team effort, and it got one of the best, if not the best, striker in the world over to Germany, which no one, including me, thought would happen. But now you've got this other mercurial player, this, this guy who could be so good, but you might have to cut him loose for the betterment of your club because you might only get a half a season out of him every season. And I don't envy Ebro because Zane, much like many of the Bayern Munich players, he has his ardent supporters who are fully behind him all the time. And then he's got his ardent doubters. And and I've talked about it many times. I was not a big fan of bringing him over from Man City. I didn't like the year and a half that it took. I thought it took Bayern out of the race for other players. They became obsessed with getting Leroy Zane. And if you just want to look at end results, right, Bayern really hasn't won that much with him. So what were they missing when they didn't have him? I mean, Ivan Perisic was the season before playing as a starting wing for Bayern Munich and theoretically bringing in Zane should have been an upgrade. And I know like people will jump to conclusions and I'm not saying Perisic is better than Zane, but what I'm saying is maybe he just functioned better at Bayern Munich, maybe he fit better. Maybe he was just more consistent. I I don't know. But Zane is one of those players that even though I didn't necessarily want him in the beginning, as I saw him develop and I really like if you remember back when when I talked about this a little bit with Flick and Zane and how there were some rough patches and Flick pulling him from a game, I believe, after he had subbed him on and then pulled him. It was all about getting him to be more well-rounded. And sometimes Hansi Flick was able to deliver those messages in such a way that they actually stuck with players. I mean, and it did with Zane. Think about it. He's gotten so much better defensively. He's so much more well-rounded. So that even when he's struggling offensively, he's giving you something on the defensive end. But is that enough for Bayern Munich to re-up him and trust that he's going to be able to find a way to work this out in the next four or five years? I don't know. But that's something that Max Eberl is going to have to try and figure out, and the rest of us are just going to be able to sit back and discuss and criticize and do whatever about, because thankfully none of us have to be in that position to figure out that conundrum, because it is going to take quite some time, and it's going to take a lot of effort to figure out Exactly who Zane is moving forward, and if he is a player, it Bayern Munich truly wants to build around, so that will about wrap it up for this flagship show. I appreciate everyone hanging in with me, and especially uh checking out the first few minutes of the podcast where you know i I know you guys want to get right down the business, but I did want to take you behind the third wall or whatever they call it, so you could understand what we were doing and what some of the initiatives are, and you know we will be releasing more and more info. As it becomes available, but like I said, you're going to get everything you're getting now in the same format, in the same way. Uh, there could be some delays with some things getting out because of some technical issues, but we're working through all of that. So just keep hanging with us. Check us out here. Check us out at BavarianFootballWorks.com, of course, and uh, you know we'll keep you apprised of everything. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Block on Twitter. You can get our tweetmeister Tom Adams at Tommy Adams71. You can get I need no name at B-F-W-I-N-N, and you can get the site at BavarianFBWorks. As I said earlier, get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Get another big week ahead of us. I'm sure there'll be a ton of news dropping. So hang with us every day. Check us out. Keep listening to our podcast and hitting the site up for our posts. Have a couple of beers on me. We'll see you next time.